Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by the TAC. My name is Alex Clements and a big thank you to the TAC, the presenting partner of the show that help bring this show together and we are proud to be as part of their very important message that the road does belong to us all, cyclists, drivers, everyone included. Also a big thank you to our apparel partner, MAP, if you, I mentioned, I've been mentioning this the last few weeks on the podcast, their coffee is exceptional. If you do need some new beans, make sure you head to, make sure you head to Proud Mary, who's the coffee shop that they've done a collaboration with, or head to their North Melbourne store to pick yourself up some beans, treat yourself to some premium coffee beans. If you've got a machine at home, uh, I'd highly recommend them. Today's podcast, we've got Harry Sweeney back on again, the second rest day. We caught up with him on the first rest day after a rocky start to his Tour de France campaign because their whole tour squad was focused around Caleb Ewan who crashed out and broke his collarbone on stage four. I've also got a podcast with Caleb coming tomorrow, hopefully. So, uh, But back to Harry, he, since then, has kind of, Lotto Sidal's taken this change of shift and gone straight into uh, breakaways, stage wins, op- opportunistic moves, and boy, has he taken that on. Stage 12, he put himself up the road. He ran third on the stage, and throughout this podcast, Harry takes us through that day, what happened from the start, what he was thinking, the breakaway, and the two moves that went, which he was a significant player in, and I think that's something that was really Harry talked about in this episode was like it's just a massive step in his career in confidence, his recognition within the bunch, his recognition within the team, and his overall goal of becoming a classic rider one day. I hope you enjoy this episode with Harry. As always, please reach out if you uh, enjoy the app, share it with a friend, leave us a review on iTunes, and we look forward to seeing you back at the social club soon. Welcome back to the podcast, Harry Sweeney. Thanks, after, guys. After taking a while to feature, you've uh, you come you've featured in not back to back episodes. I think there's one in between you, but it's good to have you back, and it's also good because since then you've picked yourself up a little podium on stage twelve. So things are going well after a somewhat rocky start to the Tour de France. How's yeah, uh, sure. how's life on the second rest day? It's good actually. Um, uh, I expected to feel a lot worse than I do, to be honest, before the tour, people were really telling me that I had to, to watch out and wasn't sure if I'd actually make it through or not, but like I I'm here and I feel good. I've been suffering a little bit on like on the really hilly days, like up to Andorra, but nothing like I thought I was going to. Uh, and I think a lot of that's just the combination of how tired everyone is, but also that the GC's really settled in now. So it's a little bit more controlled instead of crazy racing, but yeah, I'm enjoying it still. Mm. What what was the longest race that you'd done pre Tour de France? I did King High Lake, which was I think oh. 13 or 14 days, but it was at 3000 meters average altitude. So I'd raced, I think it was nine days rest day and then, three more days or four more days. So I'm pretty like, it was pretty similar to how I'd been after the first rest day really. Yeah. Yeah. But this is not 
I'm sure King or King High Lake was like the death race was how how I understand it used to be. Like guys would go there and end their careers or they'd come out superstars. Yeah, it was it's a bit like that actually. It's uh they they nickname it the fourth grand tour. And I thought it was a bit of a cop-out, but like after racing here for a little bit, like I remember feeling pretty similar to this at the end of King High Lake. Like I was just hurting. But the difference is obviously instead of hurting at 300 watts like King High Lake, you're hurting at 450 or something here. But like mm. it's uh yeah, it's it, it's a hard race. I definitely wouldn't uh put it down for sure yeah can like have you seen a, a change in your condition over the days or like yeah i just see like it seems so i, I can't i can't fathom how you feel right now i've done i think i did a 10-day stage race and i was cactus by the end of it like i was i was wrecked i was ruined uh yeah, and so just to level that strange up strange one it's like uh i reached a peak i think the first rest day was the day before was the tightest I've been so far. Had a rest day, got better a few days to sort of get back into the rhythm. And then I went in that stage 12, I went so deep, but I don't think I really realized it, you know, because I was on a, I was pretty buzzed afterwards. And then the next day, hopped on the bike and I was like, oh, a bit sore. And then the next day again, I was like, oh, legs are feeling it today. But then yesterday I felt good again. So I said to some of the guys, I think you in the tour, like you don't realize sometimes how deep you go, especially when it was in the final, like riding the last 20K, four guys, fans on the side of the road. Like I didn't feel anything. And like then attacking, I'm like, oh, this is unreal. But then like woke up and just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about stage 12 because that's what, I, that's, that's what well, I and I think everyone else wants to know about. Uh, what what was the plan heading into that day? Well, Phil actually told me, he's like, we've never finished in, I think it was Nim. We've never finished in Nim with a bunch. And that was the first thing. Then in the sports director meeting, they said, it's going to be windy. It's going to be chaos. So I jumped on the Ergo that morning, got the 54 on the bike and like was fully prepared. And then I went to, I, w- I wasn't prepared for the break, but I was just prepared that it was going to be chaos, you know, like, crosswinds echelons and i'm usually pretty good with that so got warmed up had a double espresso and everything and then yeah we just got on the bike and it was just we we turned a corner basically dropped the flag and it was just the bunch in four pieces straight away uh and then yeah like it was guys like popping off the front and then coming back and then one move just stuck and it was the guys in there so strong. And then it was just, that was the end of it. Yeah. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't just like a, it was a long way from, I don't, I guess as a, as a viewer of the Tour de France, there's ways, there's breakaway days that are like, you kind of just put your hand up. Yeah. Just be in the breakaway. And then there's breakaway days that you made, which it guys can spend their entire year trying to master. Um, and also just the, the ability to ride in the crosswinds. You talk about liking it, but I think riding the Tour de France in the crosswinds is a whole nother ball game. Yeah. How, like, we, we actually know, I knew, I don't know if you were confident, but you backed yourself in. Campbell, Campbell Flakemore sent me a screenshot of a, a post that the 
ASO put up before the day. It was something like, it's going to be windy and I'm going to be there. <laughs> and he, and, he, and, he, and he, he just said, I like this guy. Yeah, well, it's it, you, you are right. It is different in the tour, but it's essentially the same thing. You fight for position and you're there. But the key difference was it wasn't like, they guys went off the front and they blocked the road. It was like the front echelon essentially became the breakaway. Like we echelon city, a bit of a climb. And then on top of the climb, it was just whoever had the legs left went. And that was basically it really. Yeah. The, and then when you got there, so, so the break went, you started to get some time. Was that pretty exciting to go? I actually made the move feels told you that morning that that's the move that's this is the stage where the move always goes to the line the yeah, breakaway it feel is good. it felt I, I initially had a bit of confidence as well because the first day when i was in the breakaway here i was in the wheels like the whole morning it's like an hour in on the really long day and nothing was happening like guys were trying and then i just hopped on van art's wheel and we rode easy to the front he just did a minute burner and I was in the break and I was like, oh, this is, that was like pretty good. Like I'm here. <laughs> so then when it happened, like I had a bit of confidence this time and then we heard the gap was going out and out. And then, yeah, once that happened, I was happy I was in the break. But at the same time, like a group of, I don't know how many we had, 15 or 20, maybe 15, something like that. I was, I was sure that it would be a hard day still to go well in. Mm, I think there was... 13 in the move oh yeah from the looks of things but like the names in the move that's that's the next bit that gets me like there was hitters in this group. yeah the biggest of biggest from the world champion to just the strongest men in the world what were you thinking in those initial stages when you were starting to roll turns uh initially it was hard like everyone was hurting and then there was a point where we started to like drop the tempo a little bit because it was like one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. And we were going over the climbs and I was like, oh, I feel really, really good today, like just spinning over. And at one point, like Gripal, he was just behind me, actually like was getting angry at me because I was like just punching over the top of the little climbs a little bit. And I think it was hurting the heavier guys a bit. So I was like, once he said that to me, I was like, oh, I'm going to be on a good one today then. And then, yeah, I, I had a teammate in the break as well. So we, we were like, you know, chatting each other up. And he's like, oh, man, you look good today. And I was like, yeah, bro, you're looking good as well. And then, like, the morale was there, you know. So, it was, yeah, it was good. And then it got to a point where you made another move. The break went from the break. Talk to me about the dynamic between that initial breakaway forming and you going, all right we need to do something about this. Yeah, well, it, initially it was actually Pollitt who made the first move. I think oh, it would have been 60K to go. No one expected it. We we're all just swapping off. And suddenly he wasn't there anymore. And then he came from the back, got a bit of speed and just went over top of this hill. And normally in the break, like there's a few guys that aren't at the right level that might drop the wheel and then guys start hesitating but because of the strength in the break, immediately everyone just started rolling through together and we all came back. But then when we came back, everyone was just looking at each other because we all like everyone there is so strong that they, if you miss the move, they're just going to ride away. So we're all like, it was a bit 
hesitant for a while. There was some attacks flying. And then I think we came like over just a little bit of a crest and guys were a bit spent because we just finished attacking. And I remember Phil saying like when you're hurting, like everyone else is going to be hurting as well. And that was like his one piece of advice he gave me before the tour. Because I was like, I was eating and I was like, oh man, like my legs, I'm feeling them. And then I was like, oh, Phil says like everyone else is hurting. So the gel in my mouth just started sprinting. (laughs) And then like I got a bit of a gap and then looked back and Kung and a few other guys came. And then, yeah, like after that, it was, it was the end of it pretty much because we were riding full gas at the front. So they couldn't really come back. Yeah. 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 And when, when you say like a few other guys, like the strongest guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, we'll just go back to Pollitt's initial attack. Do you, do you know, do you know why? Uh, I think it's because he didn't back himself in the sprint and that's the director I heard him say in an interview was because of the strength in the group, he needed to like eliminate some guys already. Yeah. Yeah. So then you made the move from the move, arguably just as hard as making the initial move. What were you thinking when, when that kind of happened, when that pulled together and what was your director saying to you? Uh, the director wasn't really saying anything because I think he didn't know. I didn't say how good my legs were. And I think it was just one of those things like there's like, oh, they're in the break with like world champion and all this stuff. They're like, I just hang on and see how it goes. Um, so then, yeah, like when when I made the move and it stuck, I was like, oh, we're in a good one today. And then the gap was at 20 seconds initially for a while and I think everyone was pulling through real hard, but I was like, I'm not sure how much longer we can go this hard for without the gap still going out. And then the guys behind, I think they stopped attacking for a while and then it sort of just blew up and yeah, it was, the race was gone basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so run me through that last, that last 10 K or just before, just before Pollock went, before Pollock attacked for the second time in a sense. Yeah, so pretty much from, I think it was 30, 30 out until the bottom of the last climb, we're all working really well together. And then we hit the climb and I would pull through and then they would sort of like come up beside me, but really slow and not like really increasing the pace anymore. So I sort of got the sense that they're all a little bit under the, under the pump and then I was like having a drink. We came through a corner and I saw Kung like really grimacing. And I think he, because before he'd be like grimacing, but he come through and just sort of like calm down a little bit. But I looked around and saw that everyone was hurting. So I like threw my bottle and just went for it. Um, because like it, if I came to the line with those guys, they've got so many years under the belt that even if they're not known for their sprint, like they're still going to be able to sprint better than me because I haven't got that fatigue resistance that they've built up over the years. So that was, I was hoping that I would it sound a bit silly, but like I just shell them on the climb. That's what I was hoping. And it worked to a degree. Like they, they took a while to come back. And then even when they came back, stayed on my wheel a bit, but to just like to drop Kung was a, like a bit of a morale boost. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty big pat on the back. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Stefan. You are not strong enough for this group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eliminate you. 
Saints. He crested that climb. One one down, two to go. Then yeah. run us through um, what happened after that. After that, the descent, everyone was a bit cooked, I think. And then we were rotating through and uh, the guy from Movistar, um, he he sort of not stopped working, but he wasn't cooperating super well. And I was still rolling through hard and Kung was trying to chase behind, I think. And Pollitt sent that and same as his director. And his director just told him to go as hard as you can, basically, and see what happens. And I looked I looked back again and I was like, Paul, it's gone. Like he maybe he's cooked. And then he did what he did before and he came big flyer and he came back with so much speed. And the directors were like, oh, you should have reacted quicker. But like, honestly, I was, I couldn't have then. And yeah. even with two, normally you'd be able to come back, but we were both so fatigued, I think, from trying to outmaneuver the next that we just couldn't come back to him. Yeah. But you were saying before, it's like it's a weird kind of fatigue because you're on this high of... Yeah. Yeah, it was... I I wasn't feeling anything and then suddenly, like, I just, like, couldn't pedal properly and I was like, you're going to have to go, mate. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it was was really strange. Um, And I think just because of the lead that he had initially, once he got the gap, you have the confidence and the gap wasn't coming back at all. So yeah, it was a a great move by him. But the next day I spoke to him and he said like, mate, if you went another time on the climb, I was gone and you would have had it. And I was just, I was a bit ropeable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We, we, like we were in this mentality, like this was, Stage 12, but this was stage 12 one-day race. Tomorrow doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. This is the 10 kilometers that I need to win in. Yeah, well, essentially that's what I was thinking. But also on top of that, it's like I was in my head, I was like, I'm in the final, I'm a Neo Pro. But then I was thinking if I show that I'm a Neo Pro, they're just going to take me. So, like, I have to either either bluff or just see if I can ride them off the wheel, which is why I attacked. Like, it was a bit of a a blood rush to the head sort of thing. You know, I was like, maybe I'll just go for it and see what happens, Um, which I'm glad I did in the end. Like I wouldn't have beat either Pollitt um, or the guy from Movistar in a sprint. So to like confirm a podium was, I think, a good idea. But at the same time, maybe it could have come to a four-up sprint. I could have tried to do better. But like I think it's picking at straws really. Yeah, it's pretty cool to like know that you threw it all down. Yeah, well, that's what I said to the directors. I, they, I think they were trying to coach me through it a little bit, but like, it, I was going so hard when we were with the group of four, and they're saying things like, "Oh, don't go for the sprint." Like, just like corner coming up at this speed, nice, just over it, just like rips my earpiece out because there's nothing more I could do really. Like, I was just riding as hard as I could. I didn't want anyone to come back. And then when I went for it, I just had my earpiece out. So maybe they were saying like, oh yeah, good job. Like keep it up. But like, I was just. (laughs) Yeah. Is, is it good having them in the area or do you kind of just, just want to radio back to Phil for a bit more wisdom? (laughs) Great man. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it, it is good in the right moment. It's the radio is one of those tools. I think that's, 
really crucial at the good at a good time but if you use it too much it becomes null and void because you just don't listen to anything then so it's i think if it depending on who the director is you can sort of take your if your earpiece in and out as you sort of need more information but for example like when i was going as hard as i could over the climb like nothing they say to me is going to make me go any harder like i'm in the final of the tour with three other guys left and attacking on a climb like that says even if they were screaming like i'm not gonna go any harder i was just full already yeah what was the feeling like when you crossed the line well initially like really happy and then yeah it's i was yeah i wasn't really disappointed like i know uh I was I wanted to race for the win and like I pictured how I would race for the win but in the end like a third place on a stage that wasn't really raced by any luck I was pretty happy with yeah it wasn't it wasn't the move where three guys went up the road no one chased yeah yeah so I wasn't guys went up the road yeah (laughs) um and then to even to read the interview after of guys like Alaphilippe and Kung and uh, Gripel saying like, oh, I tried everything I could and it wasn't enough for the day. I was like, oh, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah. And did, did like, did you, because obviously the two had been going well at that point. Um, you'd made breakaways. You, your presence was, was in the race, but to run third on a race, to blow up a breakaway uh, and to drop some of the strongest guys in the world, that must be a whole nother level of confidence and just like, I'm I'm here. I'm racing the Tour de France. Harry Sweeney has arrived. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like every time I've sort of gone to another race, I've got a bit more confidence because even when I initially went pro, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm really good enough to be pro, like a little bit of imposter syndrome sort of thing going on. And then I went to Dauphiné and I was like, oh, I got top 10, but like maybe it's a little bit of luck or something. And then when I got selected for the Tour, and I knew that Caleb would put in the words there and I knew people would be like, oh, he's like, he's another Aussie. He's put in a good word. So like, that's why he's here. And I think there would have been some guys in the team a bit upset for sure. Like other riders at missed selection. But then like when I did get the podium, I think it was, it might've been all in my head, but it was like, I actually deserve to, to be here. Hmm. And like Caleb, like Caleb said, um, we did an interview with him last week, haven't published it yet, but he said he had four guys to pick from. You're one of his four. Like I know there is a, not a bias, but he would have, he would like, he likes the fact that you're Australian, but still he is like the ultimate professional when it comes down to him winning. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to pick you off just like, oh yeah, he's a good fella. I'll take <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, but you know, like in your head, if there's any sort of doubt, you're kind of like, oh, maybe like he's he's picked me for the vibe of the team sort of thing. But yeah, like I, I think uh, I've it, it was more just the confidence now that I have that I actually do deserve to be here, and more so now that I'm so deep in the tour and I'm not completely rubbish or cooked is the bigger part for me that I do deserve to be here and I'm at the right level to be performing here, not just scraping by. Yeah. Is it starting to like shape to your career? Like you're starting to be like, uh, this is where Harry Sweeney could form, what what he could form into. Yeah, absolutely. Because the directors know that I want to be in the classics team 
and they're shaping the team in the next few years to try and build a core, a good core classics group. So, um, yeah, right now is the perfect time to be showing that, I guess. Like I, to be in the break and performing at the same level as someone that was second in Roubaix uh, the last time it was run is a perfect thing for me to be like, look, this is what I think I can do and what I want to do. And I've shown I can do that in my first six months. Yeah. Was it really long? No, it wasn't super long. Oh, it was still it was 160 clicks. I guess you can you can look at the length from the fact that oh, it was stayed tour of the Tour de France. It was three and a half max, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that played well to your rookie legs? Uh I think in a way that I wasn't scared to use a lot of power. Yeah. If it was longer, I would have said it suits the other guys more because they're more experienced, more Ks in their legs. But, yeah, in general, I think it's uh, it suited me quite well. Yeah. Did it change anything afterwards? Like, did anything – did you do more media as a team, like, up and about? Is there big energy around Harry? Like, what changed after the result? Yeah, we definitely had more media, but not so much from the team, but a lot just from the other media that uh, had never sort of covered it before. So I just had a lot of interviews after the stage, but nothing uh, astronomical. Yeah, a few Insta followers. Yeah, for sure. A few followers, a few people <laughs> chiming in, but yeah, it was good. Uh, well, Harry, like it's so, so, so good to see. Um, and it was really cool to hear you articulate the the races that unfolded um, and to back that result. It's fantastic, fantastic for you, your career and your steps forward. So we're very happy for you back at Stanley Street Social Headquarters. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, hopefully chat soon. After yeah, that's good, mate. Just bag another result. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> Thanks, mate.